welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. This morning, we're going to look at Isaiah 58 and 61 really quickly. I've been there. I've started, I think the last couple of my sermons have started here and it's been a springboard but something has kind of caught in my spirit and uh it's really been um you know it's really been ministering to me it's been something that has been speaking to me uh in my own life and and speaking to me about the ministry here about what god is doing here what god is doing not only in my own life but in the lives of you in the lives of our community uh, Isaiah 58 and 61, if you want to look at those chapters, we're going to look at verse 12 and 58 and Isaiah 61, 4. But it talks about Isaiah's prophesying and, and speaking of the ministry of Christ to come. And we know this is a ministry of Christ to come because in Luke, Luke Jesus, I think it's Luke chapter 4, Jesus confirms it and reads these very portions of scripture and says, this is about me. This is fulfilled in my ministry. Uh, But it talks about an anointing, and that word in the Hebrew means a fatness. Um, You know, it's it's not just a mystical feeling, but it is a fatness of the spirit. It really means richness. So he's going to come with this richness of the spirit. It's going to break yokes. It's going to heal hearts. It's going to set captives free. And it's going to establish in the earth a people likened to himself, a people, a new people, a new family, uh, sons and daughters, part of this new family, this new culture that is going to be uh, image bearers of this life. They're going to be bearers of what is in the life of Christ and the Holy Spirit and, and uh, they're going to continue that, which began at Pentecost in the early church. They're going to continue the ministry of Christ. How many of you know the ministry of Christ has never stopped since he left? How many of you know that? On the day of Pentecost, he came. You know, sometimes we pray in error and ask the Holy Spirit to come again. Folks, he's never left. He's never left. We may not perceive it. We may not experience it fully, but the Holy Spirit's never left. He's been here, and uh, we're not waiting for another Pentecost. There'll never be another. There was one Pentecost, and the Spirit has been in his church ever since. And so that church, that family, would be image bearers of this life, and they would give, they would be a channel. They would be a channel to their generation. I love what David says. Lord, help me to testify to your name in my generation. Help me to be a witness in my generation to your faithfulness and to your power. And so God gives us an allotted amount of time here on this earth so that we would be a witness in our generation and we would be channels of this healing, captive, uh, you know, setting captives free, uh, all of those things that, that is prophesied of the, of the ministry of Christ, it would continue in the life of the church. Let's just read Isaiah 58, and this is speaking of, is speaking of us. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old ways 
the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorers of paths to dwell in. And that's talking about the church. It's talking about, because if you read that above, above in context in verse 11, it's talking about the ministry of Christ. And he says, and those that are of him will be restorers of paths to dwell in and repairers of the breach. Isaiah 61, 4, it echoes this. And it says, and they shall build the old waste places. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. Isaiah was clear that Jesus would raise up a people that would be channels of healing and restoration. They would be repairers of the breach and restorers of paths to dwell in. And in the life of his church, there would be a restoration of foundations. I'm so thankful uh, Pastor Patrick you know, spoke, I believe, under inspiration because this is what God is doing. He's restoring foundations. He is building in every generation a testimony. And this testimony will affect generations to come. I think about the people that are in this church right now. I think about my own family. But I think about others that I know here that in your life, God came in and interrupted desolation that was being transferred through generations. He broke a chain. He broke something that had been generational in your life and had been carried on. I know in my family's life, we were, you know, not only just backwards and broken, but we had addictions and all these sorts of issues and problems that were just generation after generation, alcoholism and all of these things and dysfunction. And Jesus came and he broke that chain in my life and in my family's life. And I'm thankful that the further generations, my children and their children, aren't going to know that same type of bondage that was once in my family's life. It was the gospel that interrupted it. It was the gospel that stopped it. It was Christ standing in that place in my life, and he broke the generational issues that were there, and he brought us out. And so one of these areas that we're going to talk about that Satan and sin laid waste was to family. So this morning, I want to talk to you about restoring the waste places. And one of those waste places that I want to talk to you about is family. I want to talk to you about how it's God's heart to restore family. It's his heart to restore that sense of belonging. Because Satan took the building blocks of the human race and he laid waste almost immediately to the first family. You read that in Genesis and that account. Not only was there a, a, a man and a woman now at odds, their, their first children, their first son committed murder. Right in the first, second generation, you get all of this brokenness right away. It didn't take very long. And the division and strife that we see in that first family and all that, that, that goes with that is being played out every day around the world. Right now, you know, there's a, there's a country at the brink of war right now in Europe. Why? Because of what happened in the garden. This sense of family and brotherhood and humanity was broken. 
and then entered in division and, and racism and all of those ugly things that are rooted in a wrong identity, that are rooted in an identity of slavery and bondage. All of those things are the outworkings of that because this isn't God's original intent for humanity. You see God's intent for humanity in the church. That God would bring a people, multiracial, multi-ethical, all of those things from every tongue, every kindred, put them together in a body and cause them to love one another in family. That's the heart of God. So what you see in the church was God's original intent for humanity, that there would be a people, that they would be living together in relationship with God, a group of people that shared the same blood joined together by his spirit, living in reconciliation with God and with each other. And we know all of that changed when sin entered. We know all of that changed in humanity when sin came in. And now in humanity, we face these ruins and these waste places of division. And it's all around race and ethnicity and isolation due to rejection and anger due to arrogance and abuse and all these different things that that have come about through Adam's fall. We are dealing with that and we're living in this world, but we're not of this world. God has brought us out and he's made us a people to be image bearers or something greater, something more profound. And sin brought in a sense of illegitimacy into the human heart. As soon as Adam fell, he felt illegitimate. As soon as Eve fell, they felt illegitimate. They felt naked. They felt separate. They felt away from God. And that is when you start to see, you know, in the human heart, this, this desire and this longing for legitimacy and belonging. And we know that through the gospel and in the cross, in the death of God's son, his legitimate son, as I said, his only begotten son, we were reconciled to God and to each other. And we were brought together to live in a place of belonging. This church is a place of belonging, amen? This should be a house of belonging, a place where we are accepted, not based on blood, not based on ethnicity, not based on strengths or weaknesses, talents, not based on your bank account or your education, but this is a home that God has built here for us that we can experience belonging and all the good stuff that comes from knowing that you have a family. That's what the church is. That's why we're here. We're here as a source of strength and love one for another. And I was so thankful to hear Mo pray that, that we would love one another. The, the, the greatest spiritual manifestation is not gifts. It's not talents. It's not revelation. Paul's very clear. All of those things, if you don't have love one for another, they're a tinkling brass. They're a sounding cymbal. They mean nothing. Your revelation, your ability to teach or preach or sing or prophesy, gifts and manifestations and healings are all that is wonderful, but it does not. It, it pales in comparison to love and loving one another and belonging in this house. And you see that the devil wants to take away what God intended in the family. He wants to shred it apart. He wants to mar it to the point that it's unrecognizable. You see it in the world. There are so many new definitions of family. There's so many things that are happening now. And, and the enemy is just running rampant in, in, in the world and trying to mar this 
image, this image bearers that, that God has given us in this scene in family. And we all need family. Amen? Do you know it's one of the most five significant needs all of us have in a hierarchy of needs is family and belonging. You need it. You may not think you do, but you do. You need family. This is why over and over again we're commanded as God's family to be involved in the lives of the widows and the fatherless. God hates people feeling isolated. God hates people feeling disconnected. God hates the fact that there are people that are lonely in this world and need a place to belong. He hates the effects of sin and what it's caused. That there are widows, that there are children, there are people that are fatherless and they're walking around with this sense of illegitimacy. That is not the heart of God. Fatherlessness or being without parents or or family is one of the most traumatic experiences anyone can face. To be in this world with a family isn't easy. You heard Pastor Nick talking about marriage and family. It's not easy being in family and and the personalities and all the different things that come with that. It's not easy. But to be in this world alone is a recipe for every evil work of hell to have its way in your life. You know, you, you look in America where I'm from, all of the all of the most of the, the shootings most of the people that commit these heinous crimes, you, you wonder, how did they ever do that? What was the motivation? And almost every time, almost every time, with few exceptions, you'll find that they were a loner. You'll find that they didn't have family. You'll find that they were neglected, that they were fatherless, that there was something in their family that caused a great trauma, and it put this on this path of illegitimacy and this sense of hopelessness. You can see that the enemy is doing everything in his power to do the opposite of what God is after. You can see the enemy working. God wants to unite people to himself. The enemy seeks to divide. God wants to give us a sense of home. And the devil is the ultimate homewrecker. Amen? The ultimate homewrecker. He wants to break everything apart and lead people into isolation. Listen to this, what Psalm 68 says. Listen to this. God shall rise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so shall you drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad, they shall exalt before God, they shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord, exalt before him. Listen to what this says. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. And listen to what this says. God settles the solitary in a home. Isn't that wonderful? Let me say that again. God settles the solitary in a home. Isn't that wonderful? If you've never had that sense of home, if you've never had that sense of legitimacy, God says, I can give it to you. God says, I've got a home for you. I've got a house for you. I've got a table for you. I've got brothers and sisters for you. The psalmist wrote a song about God scattering his enemies. 
And then he says that God fights for the fatherless and he protects the widows. He takes those that are long and living solitary lives and puts them in a family. One of God's enemies, listen to this, is the sense of not belonging and the horrible effects of isolation. That is an enemy of God. Unless we think that these enemies are some sort of just demonic entities out there, this is an enemy of God. This sense of not belonging. It's not from God. It's not from his heart. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And in context, that's what it's talking about. God has not given us a sense of not belonging and having to work through everything on our own and trying to make it on our own. And God, and this is what this psalm speaks to me, is that God wants to scatter the effects of being without family and being isolated. Isn't that wonderful? God wants to scatter that in your life. God wants to scatter those effects. His body, his church, his family is the answer. The spirit of adoption and reconciliation is imparted to each and every one of us. Listen to what Romans eight fifteen says. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. Say the spirit of slavery. I did not receive the spirit of slavery. Say it with me. I did not receive the spirit of slavery. Hallelujah. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, the spirit of belonging, the spirit of family, the spirit of covering, the spirit of acceptance, the spirit of being a son, the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Wonderful. That's the spirit of God living in you. Every other voice is not the voice of God. The spirit cries, Abba. The Spirit cries, I belong. The the Spirit cries, you belong. You're legitimate. You ever have that feeling like you're just, you're faking through life? You ever have that? Am I the only one that feels that way? Sometimes I feel that way. Man, I'm just faking it. Faking it till I make it. That's the way I feel sometimes. It's the truth. And in that, you can feel illegitimate. In that, you can feel like you're you know, that you, you don't have the real goods, but the Spirit of God comes and gives you that earnest cry, I belong somewhere. I belong to my Father. I belong in a family. Without Christ, we are wandering children with the spirit of a slave, with the mindset of someone that has been disinherited. And we carry a sense of rejection We carry a sense of abandonment. We live impoverished, seeking to find belonging in our own efforts, trying to cast off this spirit of abandonment and rejection by trying in our own strength to overcome our deepest feelings of not being loved and cared for. We try in our own strength. Do you know, I think it's Tony Robbins, that's his name, the the powerful motivational speaker that filled Anthony Robbins, is that his name? He came out this last week and said all of that was nonsense. I don't know if you saw that. But he came out and he said there's nothing in positive thinking. He came out and contradicted almost everything that he's ever said. But he came out and said this. You can read about it. But he said positive thinking 
you know, because that was it. They would, you know, they would, they would yell and, and call themselves giants and they belonged and they were this and they were that. And, you know, and he says it doesn't work. It can't lift this sense of illegitimacy, this sense of rejection and abandonment. And you see this everywhere. People are trying their hardest to belong, to be relevant, to be significant. Adam's children are wandering as orphans being preyed upon by a devil that wants to kill the image of God in each of us. That's why the enemy's after you. That's why he's after me, because we are image bearers. He hates the image of God. He hates the image of God in family, in husbands and wives and children and sons and daughters. He hates it. And we're targeted because we're made in God's image and the devil hates that image. But God fights through the gospel against the spirit of illegitimacy. Isn't that wonderful? God fights for us with the message of the good news that you belong, that you are someone. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to try and lift the spirit on your own. You belong. You have value in the gospel. And God, through the gospel, fights against Satan's plan to isolate and entrap and to bring us into that place of isolation where all forms of rebellion and dark behavior is found. Folks, I've seen it. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in others' lives. That when you feel isolated and when you feel rejected, you're more susceptible to those darknesses. You're more susceptible to doing things that bring you into bondage. You're more susceptible to, to living in disappointment and piercing yourself through with many, many arrows of hurt and pain when you feel illegitimate, when you feel rejected. All of those things well up in us. I want you to look at, there's so many examples in the Bible, but my favorite is to look at is Ishmael. If you want to see a, a picture of what happens when a person's, when their identity is rooted in illegitimacy, look at that young man. My heart goes out to this guy. I read his story and my heart breaks. But I identify with him because I know, I know exactly how he feels in some ways. He is the result or the product of Sarah and Abraham not trusting God and not trusting in his promises. And, and the spirit of illegitimacy was already at work in Sarah and Abraham as they tried to undo the effects of the fall in their own strength. And, and they tried to undo all of that in their own reasoning. And what it birthed and what it gave life to was something of a tragedy. And you see it when Isaac is born and Ishmael is there and this, this antagonism towards the promise, this antagonism to the, the accepted son, this antagonism to the legitimate son. You see this antagonism in his heart until God speaks to Sarah and says, you've got to put him out. And told Abraham, you've got to put this son out because the, he, the, he can't reign with the heir, he can't reign, he's illegitimate. And it was horrible, and it says that, that Abraham mourned over his son. And when he was put out, 
these effects took place in his life. And, and listen to what the Lord told Hagar, would, uh, Ishmael would be like. Genesis sixteen twelve. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all of his relatives. Folks, I want to tell you something. Isolation, illegitimacy, rejection brings wildness. It breeds an untamed spirit, unable to be bridled and guided. It sets a war off inside, a spirit of anger and resentment when you feel unloved and illegitimate. And this is true not just of Ishmael, but that's true of us. It's true of us. If you want to create wildness in a heart, if you want to create anger in a heart, simply rob it of its legitimacy and belonging. You see it. I've experienced it. I've experienced it in my own life, not having a father, being rejected, uh, you know, by my own earthly father, and the anger and the resentment that breeds in your life uh, towards people, towards life, when that sense of uh, rejection sets in. And when you look at the world today, you look at the Middle East, you see that the world is still reaping the consequences of Abraham's decision. The war in the Middle East, all of that stuff that's happening there. It's a contention between, you know, they, they, you know, with Islam, they trace their lineage right back to Ishmael. Just like the Jews trace their lineage back to Isaac. And the contention is still there. The wildness is still there. All of that is still there. Their hand is against every man. The fruit of illegitimacy is everything opposite of belonging. It's everything opposite. Frustration, self-doubt, self-hatred, anger, strife, bitterness, accusation, contempt. What crushes the spirit of illegitimacy? And here we're going to get into the heart of God, what I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to share with you. What crushes the spirit of illegitimacy? What crushes that anger, that resentment that wells up on you, those thoughts about people that are unfounded, those suspicions that come. You know, if you've ever dealt with this, what that's like. Unfounded, all of those things. What crushes that? It's very simple. The spirit of belonging. The spirit of belonging. That's why God wants this house to be a house of belonging. That's why God wants this house to be a house of love. That's why the Holy Spirit is contending that we love one for another that we genuine care one for another because it drives out the spirit of illegitimacy. It drives out the spirit of loneliness. It drives out the spirit of not belonging. When you know you belong, when, know, when you know you're accepted by God, when you know you're not rejected, there is peace, there's confidence, there's self-love, and there's goodwill towards others. Isn't that true? When you see somebody that's accepted, that knows who they are and they're at rest, there's such goodwill towards others. 
They don't care if another person is promoted. They don't care that another person can do something better than them. They don't care. They're rejoicing in another person's triumphs and victories because they're not threatened. Their sense of security is not in what they can do. It's in whose they are, the whose they belong to. It's in him. That sense of belonging is powerful. It's grounding. It gives you peace. It gives you assurance. And God has set us here as his family to fight against these enemies that God hates. We are to fight against isolation. We are to fight against remoteness. We are, for, we are here to fight against desolation, detachment, and disconnection. We are to be a lighthouse in this city of belonging. This is a house of belonging, of healing, of acceptance. And God's design and purpose for you and I is that we rest in our legitimacy and to walk in this reconciliation and adoption that is ours. That's God's heart for you. How many of you know that? And this is important. Listen to me. This is important for us. It's important for you. It's important for me. Because there are people here. You know, when we come to Christ, these broken areas don't always just get healed suddenly. There's a great healing that takes place. But, you know, as we walk with him, it's kind of like those lepers that... Jesus spoke to and it's it's as they walked that they were healed sometimes you're healed instantly but most of the time the majority of the time it's as you walk it's as you walk I've got a good friend in the states his name is Al Gallo (laughs) Al Gallo was a crack addict I mean he, he would tell you he started selling crack then he started using crack he wound up without anything in a crack house And he said, a man filled with the Holy Spirit, this is out in Long Island, filled with the Holy Spirit, was in prayer, didn't know Al Gallo, didn't know anything about him, said he was in prayer, and the Holy Spirit spoke to this man's heart and said, I want you to go to this building, at this address, there's a man named Al Gallo there, he's a crack addict, I want you to tell him I love him. And so, here this guy walks into a building, there's crack addicts everywhere, And he says, I'm looking for Al Gallo. And Al's sitting there, he's dazed. He says, Al, God has sent me here to tell you that he loves you. And he was was amazingly, not just born again, but instantly delivered from crack. I mean, just instantly. He never went back. Never had a taste for it. Never wanted it again. That's Al Gallo's story. But I can count on all my fingers and toes of so many others that have faced addictions, and it's a daily walk. It's a daily walk in freedom. For some, it's instant. But for the majority of us, we've got to walk in this healing. We've got to walk in it till it becomes more and more real in our lives. And so there are people here that struggle with this. You struggle with feeling isolated. You struggle with belonging. You struggle in your mind and in your heart. And it breeds, uh, you know, if, if it's not dealt with, it can breed some pretty nasty things in our lives. It can breed some, some, some pretty awful feelings and thoughts and, and, and struggles. And there's different reasons why this happens. I don't want to go into all of them, but a couple that I can think of, even from the, from the word for the first one, 
is that Satan is working all the while to undermine the work that God has done in your life in the gospel. In the gospel. God, the enemy is at work to bring that sense of isolation to cause you not to believe the good news, to cause you not to believe that you belong, to cause you not to believe that you're accepted, to cause you to, to, to feel that you're illegitimate. And you've got to prove your legitimacy and, and prove that you deserve a place in the house. I think about the book of Galatians. Paul says they were bewitched by the spirit that came in and told them they were all illegitimate. And that they had to somehow prove their legitimacy. They had to somehow go back and constantly live by principles. Constantly live, I need to prove I'm a Christian. I need to prove that I'm this. I need to prove I'm this. Folks, I want to tell you something. Principles are good, but they'll never give you legitimacy. You may think God's blessing you because you're living by some standard or something. The only reason God's blessing you at all is because the grace of God was given to you in Christ. You don't deserve it. And you get bewitched into thinking that somehow, some way, that if I just do this and that, I'm going to be legitimate in the eyes of God and he's then going to bless me. That, that God that gets some sort of relationship like a genie in a bottle. If I just rub it the right way, God will appear and he'll answer my prayers. That is furthest from the gospel. And Paul says it isn't even a gospel at all. It's heresy. But that's what the enemy does. He comes in that, to, to rob you of your legitimacy. And he wants to put you in a spirit of illegitimacy so you're not resting in your belonging. And resting in what Christ has done. And, and when you read about Galatians and know the background, the people would come in and all they were hearing is how far they had fallen short. How awful they were. How they needed to do more for God to belong in his family. And, and Paul gives us a list of all the behavior that broke out as a result. Read Galatians chapter 5. My goodness. Here these people were striving and they weren't getting any better. Pastor Patrick can tell you, we were talking about this last week. It, they were getting worse. The harder they tried to prove they were legitimate, the further they were getting away. The further behind they were falling. And all of these awful things started to break out because they weren't walking in that legitimacy that Christ gives. You know yourself, and I, I, I parent three teenagers. They're here. Two of them are here anyway. But you know yourself when you're constantly nagging and correcting and critiquing your children. You know it does not produce what you want it to produce. Amen? <laughs> what does it do? It stirs rebellion. It stirs anger. It does not, it, serves, it, it stirs frustration. And, and it puts in them a sense of illegitimacy. A sense that they can never live up to your standards. And, and always pointing out their flaws. Always putting their nose in their mistakes. And you think that by constant attention to, to their behavior, it's going to change them and make them better. My kids can attest. I, I've tried and failed at this so many times. 
you know, parenting. It can be difficult. But I read an article about a, the effects of this on a child's sense of belonging when you're constantly attacking their behavior and you're not giving them that sense of belonging. And it has devastating effects in their lives. And we'll probably get challenged this week on what works by Pastor Neil. But I can tell you, constant critiquing, constant rubbing their nose in it, constant trying to teach them through shame. Folks, shame is toxic. There's good shame, but there is a shame that exposes, that, that does not help. Putting their nose in it. It's, it's, it's not going to bring the results. It's going to breed anger. It's going to breed frustration. And when you read the effects of this, some, some become overachievers, perfectionists. They, they live with that constant hypercritical voice of their parent in their mind. I've got to be this way. I've got to be this way. I've got to be a, a, a student. I've got to succeed. If I'm not succeeding, I, I, I'm no worth. I have no value. Folks, keep in mind your voice becomes the inner voice of your children. Your voice, whatever you speak into their lives, becomes their inner voice. Working themselves tirelessly, and no matter how many successes they enjoy, it's never enough. They're working to legitimize themselves. For others, they just give up. And some rebel and, and actually go the opposite way. But most people just live complacent lives with no real sense of belonging, robbed of motivation, robbed of purpose, no confidence. And folks, I want to tell you, God's family isn't built upon us trying to become legitimate sons. We have to hang that at the door. You've got to leave that outside. You're legitimate. I'm legitimate. Because he's made me legitimate. That's the foundation I walk on. That's my rest. That's my joy. He came to me. I didn't come to him. He appeared to me. I didn't appear to him. He brought my, me and my family out of the darkness. I didn't come to him with my goodness. I didn't look after God. I wasn't searching for him. And Cassidy sat back there. She could tell you the same. When her brother spoke to her and said, Jesus loves you. And it sent a shockwave into her heart. Right there where she was. And that's the power of the redemption of, of the gospel. Is it brings us into a sense of rest. A sense of confidence. I don't have to prove myself anymore. I don't have to, 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 to square my shoulders and, and be that person anymore. God has my back. He's got my life. Second thing, and I'll close with this. Not only is it just that sense that comes with the enemy's lies, but there's also... You know, life can cause you to, to carry a spirit of rejection. Childhood trauma. And, I, and I've, I've been reading a lot about that and, and understanding it in my own life and the effects of it. But man, it can really, really deal a, a, a blow to your confidence. 
it can deal a blow to, to the sense of, of, of feeling valued and whole. And, and, you know, when we come to Christ, as I said, some of us are just carrying that spirit of rejection with us. We're just carrying it with us. And when I say a spirit, I'm not talking about an evil spirit. I hope you understand it's, it's that those voices that the enemy uses, strongholds that he uses to keep us bound, to keep us bound. I read an article about a prisoner that had been set free after he spent years in solitary confinement. He lived for years in an 80-foot square concrete and metal cell. He served his time. He finally was released. He went home, and his life was drastically altered. His wife was really distraught. She didn't know what to do because he would spend all his time locked in their bathroom. Locked in their bathroom. Seldom even coming out and sleeping in the bed. Now this is a true story. He would actually sleep in the tub. He was free. He was no longer incarcerated physically. Just imagine that. Being granted your freedom. And we'd like to think, well, I, I would just, if I, if I got out of this cell, buddy, I would just live it up. I would be out on lakes and rivers. I would just be out there. But here this guy had been, become so conditioned in his thinking and in his heart that, that he had this house that he could walk in, this place where he belonged, a loving wife that was there, Yet he was living in confinement in spite of his freedom. And there are people in this house living in confinement in spite of your freedom. God's brought you home. He's given you a house. He's given you a family. And, and you choose over and over again isolation. You choose over and over again to walk that path of brokenness. Then you feel like, well, this is my lot. This is what God has set me free. No, it is for liberty that God has set you free. Not confinement. God hasn't set you free. God didn't free, free you to live isolated, to live in the bathroom of his house. Isn't that wonderful? Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? God didn't cause you, call you out to put you in the bathroom. Well, I set you free. There you go. Sleep in the tub. Hope you're comfortable. When you, when you become legitimate, I'll bring you out to the rest of the house, but this is where I brought you to. No, that's not the heart of God at all. Hallelujah. You can visit the bathroom, and you should. Amen. But that doesn't mean you need to live there. God's not called us to live in confinement, free to be isolated. The gospel has opened every door to you. Hallelujah. He's opened every door in the house to you. The house is yours. Isn't that wonderful? You're a son and a daughter in the house. And the Spirit of God there is crying, Abba, I'm adopted. I belong. And God wants to crush that impoverished spirit of rejection 
that keeps you back from knowing that you belong. I'll say it again. God wants to crush. When, it, when Psalm 68 says he scattered his enemies, God wants to scatter that enemy in your life that is keeping you back from knowing that you are loved and that you belong. God has taken you from solitary. He has put you in a family. And you need to receive that. You need to learn to walk in it. To learn to rely on it. Learn to accept it. God's created you to be in a family. God, this is the good news, folks. This is why it's good news. That's horrible news. Get out of, get out of jail and be put in the bathroom. For the rest of your life. That's horrible news. That's not the gospel. No, you belong. I've given you the deed to the house. It's yours. Go in the kitchen, living room, enjoy yourself. Right? Get in the car. Go to Starbucks. Do what you want to. I've given you freedom, have movement and vitality. God has caused you to belong in His Son. You're not made to live alone and isolated. That is a lie from the pits of hell. And if you're bringing that in and out of this house every week, if you're bringing that in and out of this house and you're living with that all week long, I've got good news for you. That will not and cannot stay in your life once the gospel begins to take root, once the good news begins to take root in your life. Because Jesus said the gospel is like a leaven. And folks, it's not going to stay in a bathroom in a tub. It's going to start to break out. It's going to start to give you freedom. It's going to start to cause you to look up and say, I belong. I belong to him. I'm part of a family. I'm accepted. This is the heart of God. Everybody say this with me. I was created for belonging. I was created for a family. God has put me in a family. And I am free to enjoy my place. I am in the right place. I belong. Now lift your hands. Thank Him. Hallelujah. Receive the spirit of adoption. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're legitimate. Hallelujah. The devil's a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. Hallelujah. This morning, this afternoon, I feel the Holy Spirit wants to scatter these enemies in your life. He wants to destroy. Folks, these are the works of darkness. Lest we think they're just, you know, whatever we think, the occult and all this stuff. No, the works of darkness are those things that overshadow what he's done, that, that cast a shadow on the cross, that cast a shadow on our freedom, that cast a shadow on where we belong. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. The worship team would come. We're just going to sing a song together. But I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to be a little bit vulnerable. I want everybody to close their eyes right where you're at. Just close your eyes right where you are. I want you to, to first of all, I want you to acknowledge. You know, the Bible says the truth 
She'll set you free. Some, it's not only just the truth that comes from here to us from him, but it's also the truth of what's going on on here. I got to recognize I'm dealing with this. Instead of ignoring it, instead of living under the shadow of it, saying, God, I'm bringing this to the light. I can't live this way anymore. I can't live in illegitimacy anymore. I can't stay here. This place is too small for me. I can't live my Christian life in the bathtub. I want out of this place. I want God to set me free. I want him to bring me into a large place. That's what the word says. So I'm just going to ask you. I don't want anybody looking around, but I, want you to, I just want you to raise your hand. Pastor Ham, that's me. I'm dealing with that. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you for the honesty. Thank you for the honesty. Hands going up all over the building. Get that truth out there. Bring it into the light. Lord, that's me. I'm holding up. I struggle with illegitimacy. I struggle with isolation. I struggle in this way. And I need you to set me free, Lord. We're going to pray right now. And I'm just going to pray for freedom. I'm going to pray for life. I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit do a work in your life and in my life that when we come into this house we don't come in with our heads down we don't come in looking to isolate or to feel like we don't belong we come in with our heads high and we look our brothers and sisters in the eye and with every bit of peace and assurance we say I belong here not because I'm anything but because he's everything let's pray Father I pray for those hands that lifted I pray for those hearts that cried out. I pray right now, Lord, as we've come in truth and we've exposed our hearts in your presence. Hallelujah. I know you're faithful to not leave us where we are. You never leave us where we are. You always bring us out. You always bring us onward. You always bring us to another place of fruitfulness and freedom. And so I'm asking you right now, Holy Spirit, for a special touch in this house that you would crush the spirit of isolation. You would crush the spirit of, uh, Lord, of illegitimacy. And there would be a cry that would begin to ring from our hearts that we belong. And that this is my family. And I'm going to live here. I'm going to plant my feet here. I'm going to work here. I'm going to die here. I'm going to grow old in this house. I'm not going to run. I'm not going to be isolated. I'm going to flourish in the house of the Lord because this is my family. I pray for that kind of freedom to break out here, Lord, and then also to break out in our communities. Lord, Cork City is a desolate place. It needs a gospel message. It needs a spirit in a people that will restore the waste places. Lord, would you do it in us so you might do it in them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.